Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is all about teeth whitening. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Linda Greenwall on the show to talk about teeth whitening. She is such an expert on this topic and has done extensive research in the area. In today's episode, we talk about everything from the causes of discoloration of the teeth to the various treatment options we have in order to whiten them. We talk about the emerging social media trends that we see, such as using over-the-counter hydrogen peroxide products to whiten the teeth and just how dangerous they can be. We also talk about things like charcoal toothpaste and whether they work in whitening the teeth. Before that, I talked to Dr. Greenwall about the stress of the job and how she personally manages this. Dr. Greenwall shares how important taking a break is and her routine for having a digital detox to make sure she recovers from a very busy, stressful week. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hi, Dr. Greenwell, thank you so much for joining me today. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got to be here, please? Um, I'm a dentist, prosthodontist. And while I was studying for my master's degree at Guy's Dental School, I um, was asked to research a subject. And uh, my first subject was um, amalgam, dental amalgam and toxicity. And, worry, and assessing whether it was valid, whether people are allergic to their fillings and whether there is a, issues with mercury fillings. And then my professor asked me to study something else. And the first article came out on whitening by Dr. Van Hayward and Harold Heyman in 1989. And the photo on the front page of Quintessence showed yellow lower teeth, white upper teeth. And I took the photo and the article to the professor and asked him if I could research this. And he kind of said, oh, you go girl, that should be really interesting. So um, I started researching it. So it was 1990 and I've been involved with tooth whitening and research since then actually, which is now 30, 30 years. Amazing. And what does your practice involve now? So what do you see in your day-to-day and what do you treat most? So um, after I finished my specialty and I had a couple of babies along the way, I started a practice. Um, I finished my specialty on the Monday. I opened a new office on the Tuesday and on the Sunday I had a baby, baby number two, who's now a dentist as well. And um, I started my practice. I was interested in women's health and oral health affecting women. And a journalist came to interview me from the local newspaper. And after the article appeared in the newspaper, the next day we had 500 new patients call the practice. So that was really interesting. And um, it was a lot of patients to see. And um, what happened was during that time, as I was developing my practice, I read this textbook from a woman whose name is Kathy Jamison. And um, the, the, the book was called Great Communication Equals Great Production. And I loved the book and I wrote to her and I said to her uh, how much I enjoyed the book. And she said, Linda, would you like me to come and teach you in London? And she lives in Oklahoma. So she came to teach me for the last 25 years and we've been friends since. And we wrote a new book 
called Success Strategies in Aesthetic Dental Practice, published by Quintessence. And um, all the knowledge that she shared with me, we put together in a book for dentists to build their practices, to have successful practices. Wow, that's amazing. In your daily practice, do you, I'm, I'm sure it is stressful, but how do you personally deal with the stress of the job? So dentistry is super duper stressful, really um, stressful. And what we have to do is manage the stress. Um, we have to, this is what Kathy taught me, we have to reflect on our day and um, consider what went well, what didn't go well, what brought us joy, what didn't bring us joy. And we start to build up, let's call it a joy diary, um, reflecting on those things that bring joy and those things that don't. And um, after a while, we start only focusing on those things that bring joy and um, developing, shedding the stress that, that we can shed, building the joy that we can um, build and managing the stress. Um, I've learned a lot of in interesting lessons along the way. Uh, one of the most important things is to live in the now, be present in the present moment and what is the most important thing now? Um, how can I make a difference now? How can I contribute to society now? What can I give in terms of myself to make the world a better place? And all those things personally I look at. And the things that cause me stress, I let go and I don't dwell on it. Um, the very first day I started in practice, uh, my father is a dentist in South Africa and my grandfather. So I joined their practice. I was 23 years old and um, I used to think about everybody, every single patient. I'd go to sleep, I'd go home and I'd reflect on the day, every single patient. And I thought, I hope I did the right thing. Did I do the right thing? Because when they taught us in dental school, it was very tough. And our professors were really, really tough on us. And um, in those days, which is in the 80s, they used to say, well, you're useless, you're hopeless, don't think you're going to do anything or achieve anything. And we're like, you're right. I, I think that's true. And so when you leave dental school, you go, okay, I'm useless and hopeless. Uh, so how am I going to manage? And then night after night, you keep replaying those words and you're replaying the actions that happened during the day and thinking, I hope I did the right thing. And and you worry and worry a lot about all these things. There's so many things to worry about. And slowly you learn to let it go, uh, let a lot go. And you have to, dentists have to have hobbies. They have to have a lot of hobbies to de-stress. And one of the most important lessons I've learned is about having a complete rest. And a com during, the, uh, during our busy week, there's only seven days in the week. But for example, on Saturdays, I have a complete digital detox. On Friday, I switch off my phone um, very actively, switching it off. Friday evening, that's it. And Saturday is my time with my family. No digital stuff at all. Reading, reflecting, it's very liberating. Going for a walk in the park, reflecting on nature, reflecting on life, reading books on wisdom, reading books on um, humanity, how to be a better person and just completely switching off. Maybe at eight o'clock on a Saturday night, I might pick up a, a British Dental Journal, but I try have a complete break from our stress that we carry with us the whole week. 
um, the walking, the reflecting, the meditation, the mindfulness. Um, for me, Saturday, the greatest joy is to be liberated and free from all that other stuff that we constantly, constantly bombarded with the whole time and the worry. And we just put it away and we just actually live in a different world in a better way. We also call it connecting to our soul because we live on different planes, but actually we are also, besides the fact that we intellectual human beings, we are also spiritual human beings. And it's very important for us to connect to our soul. And that comes back to what brings you joy. So for example, you know, they call it soul music. People love music and they have a special connection to music, any type of music or certain types. Um, so let's say soul music or rock music or classical music. Those connections that we make actually free us and give us joy. So all the time we need to connect to those joy aspects because of the stress that the industry brings. We need to have other things to bring joy to us that we can live in, live in a balanced world, um, be part of humanity. And because the work that we do is caregiving, we in the health profession, we're caring for people, we're caring for people all the time, we're giving of ourselves, not only from um, a, a treatment point of view, an emotional point of view, and we care for the well-being of our patients. So we're always looking at health, at well-being, not only for ourselves, but specifically for the patients that we give care to. And in order to do that, we need to be well ourselves. So from our mental well-being and our physical well-being and our emotional well-being, we need to try and be more balanced. So coming back to the stress, we look at how we can manage that stress. When we wake up in the morning, we have $100. This is what Kathy taught me. We have $100 of emotional energy, emotional energy. So you get to work and you're running late because you overslept and all that saps that emotional energy. And then you have a rude patient or a staff member doesn't arrive at work and you're short-staffed and the suction motor breaks down and all those sap at your emotional energy dollars. So that by the time you get home, there's no more dollars and no more energy to devote to your loved ones and to, to doing that stuff. So we need to really balance and let stuff go that doesn't bring us joy. I completely agree. That's very well said. I think mm. all of us would benefit from, especially a digital detox. I think it's, it's, it's quite stressful to be constantly bombarded and connected. It has its positive sides, but I think it's definitely, uh, it can be anxiety inducing for a lot of us. So I wish I could do a digital detox. Would you say it gets better with practice? Yes, you actually, it's actually, um, I taught my hygienist this and she does the same on Saturdays. She does the same because she's just about to be um, the president of the British Dental Hygienist and Therapy Association. And she is bombarded with hundreds of emails. Um, and she goes, Linda, I did the same. I do my digital detox. We are always plugged in and we're always live, really. We're always live and we're always available and we're always connected. And actually, there's so many amazing books to read and there's so many wonderful things 
that we can plug into in terms of other stuff that's not our phone that we should benefit from us it gives us um there is a really good book called the seven habits of highly effective people and um he talks about a thing called sharpening the saw that's the habit number seven sharpening the saw is spending get, getting time to do those important things like sharpening the saw helping yourself re um re-energizing connecting to your soul do stuff that brings you joy be mindful the meditation and just read some amazing books because we don't we don't have the possibility to read amazing books because we're always on our phones and then we're always bombarded it makes us very add because it keeps um sending messages and alerts and it makes us not being able to concentrate like we used to and just reading an inspiring book um is really really essential and really important so i have lots of inspiring books next to my bed and i'm trying just not look at the phone that's why saturdays is so so important for me so before we talk about whitening let's talk about the causes of discolorations and why teeth become discolored in the first place. So the, the discoloration is a very tooth discoloration is a very interesting subject um, because it's related to so many factors. A lot of it is to, due to diet, but also it's due to the anatomy, the structure of teeth. Some teeth are porous and some are not. There is a new condition with um, children who are born with white spots on their teeth when their permanent teeth erupt at age six white spots appear that weren't on their prior on their first teeth they develop um, these white marks and yellow streaks and brown streaks and it's an increasing prevalence um, and i see a lot of parents who are very concerned about these marks and we now know there's a hundred reasons why children develop these white marks and white spots and uh, discoloration in me and actually the enamel is defective and what happens um, if a child is exposed to infection let's say um, there are problems when the baby is born and the baby has to have medication or the baby doesn't get enough oxygen that reflects in the developing dentition and the, the oxygen loss is called hypoxia the cells are trying to form and they don't get enough oxygen so they starve the tooth cells the enamel cells the myeloblasts are trying to form they don't get enough oxygen and so white spots develop on the dentition and that can be a concern for the appearance of the teeth the teeth are weaker they're more porous they're more sensitive and so treatment needs to be uh, we need to look at treatment and often we need to start treatment at an early age um, earlier age than is recommended in terms of the European legislation. At the moment, tooth whitening is banned for under 18s, but if there's a specific disease condition, then they can have whitening. So we've published on this and we've made lists um, of when it's appropriate to whiten teeth. And there are many new diseases such as MIH, which is molar incisor hypermineralization, where there's defective enamel and that can be treated. 
So this is uh, an intrinsic cause of discoloration as such. So this is intrinsic. So there's either extrinsic or intrinsic. Extrinsic discoloration means that there's staining on the surface of the teeth, and that's normally due to discoloration of plaque or smoking, um, teas and coffees, diet-related, lots of turmeric or curry. Fried food can make the teeth um, extrinsic stain on the teeth. Um, but those normally can be uh, removed with a normal hygiene appointment. A, a very thorough hygienist can um, remove those discolorations. But intrinsic means the discolor that discoloration inside the tooth can be from many different reasons. Often um, even childhood diseases, if there's liver disease or kidney disease where there's bleeding inside the teeth or trauma, the teeth are permanently discolored uh, gray because of the bleeding or the trauma. And so that has to have a specific evaluation to see um, what the situation is. And then we need to assess whether whitening is appropriate for that child or for that person. Um, the whitening was first um, used as a treatment for children when they finished their braces. When they finished their braces, their gums were swollen and so the orthodontist, his name is Bill Klausmer, in about 1962, he wrote a, a report about using this technique. And he shared it amongst many colleagues about how what he did was when the children finished their braces, he gave them um, hydrogen peroxide mouthwash, uh, like a peroxyl mouthwash. And they put that inside their retainers. And that, that was very specifically for treating gum, swollen gums after braces. And then he noted specifically that the gums were better and the gums healed up, but actually the teeth became whiter, which was a, an, a wonderful side effect. And now, 40 years later, we use the treatment for whitening. But just by the way, if you use the right products, the professionally applied products, it heals your gums, it heals root decay, tooth decay, and um, reduces gum swelling and stops bleeding. So there's a lot of benefits. And especially now during the COVID time, we want our patients to have as healthy oral health as they can, and their mouth should be as healthy as it, as it can be. So we recommend tooth whitening as a health treatment, again, supervised very carefully and closely by the dentist. But we want to look at ways where we can bring oxygen to the mouth so that the cells are well oxygenated and can fight any disease. Mm -hmm. Would you say um, it's safe for people to um, buy hydrogen peroxide mouthwash over the counter or just pure hydrogen peroxide and use it on their teeth? Because there are a lot of sort of DIY whitening uh, trends, let's call them, going around. Yeah, so there's just been last week a whole story about TikTok users have been showing how they dip a, a cotton bud into hydrogen peroxide mouthwash and oh wow, everything is awesome. But actually, no, that is not what it's for. Um, we, if you want to use 3% hydrogen peroxide as a mouthwash or it's really an oral disinfectant, that's not going to whiten your teeth, but they met, that may improve the health of your mouth and improve the bacteria, um, the, the disease-causing bacteria in the mouth. That's not going to whiten your teeth. But if you have trays made, uh, dentists supervise the dentist. First of all, if you are thinking about doing whitening, you must go and see your dentist. The rules in the UK and Europe are very specific. You, that you need to go to the dentist if, um, and the dentist needs to see, number one, if you are a candidate for whitening, 
Number two, whether there is any pathology in your mouth that would exclude you from whitening. So we need to see, for example, are there any abscesses, any diseases, any tooth decay, any root decay, any severe, um, any severe abscesses or fistulas where if you start whitening, it could cause uh, the tooth to become painful, um, developing a, an existing abscess. If there's an abscess that is quietly sitting um, unnoticed and you start whitening, you can flare up the whole situation, which is why the dentist needs to evaluate and see that whitening is appropriate for you, excluding any pathology. So the dentist may need to take x-rays of certain discolored teeth, um, may need to check if there are any abscesses brewing in your mouth, potential abscesses, exclude sensitivity versus pain, assess disease, decay first, and sometimes you need to have remedial treatment before whitening treatment can be performed. Mm -hmm. And what kind of options do we have as dental professionals to offer patients in terms of the, the various whitening treatments? So there's many different whitening treatments, but the basic treatment is the dentist-supervised uh, home whitening treatment. So after the dentist has assessed that your mouth is suitable to be, and the teeth are suitable to be whitened, the dentist will take molds of your teeth and make trays which are like contact lenses. The contact lenses should fit very well and tight, quite tightly. The trays are normally quite flexible or if you're having Invisalign treatment or aligner treatment, you can have, you can use your Invisalign trays normally for whitening as well. And then you would do the treatment normally at night. So you put the whitening gel inside the tray while you sleep. You run a thin line of gel and the dentist will instruct you or the hygienist instruct you how to place the gel, where to place it, how long to wear the trays and um, how to remove the tray in the morning, how to clean the tray and the, the likely results that you can expect. Now, up to 85% of patients can experience some sensitivity during whitening. And so it's important to manage the sensitivity and give the patient strategies to manage sensitivity at home, which involves um, using a desensitizing toothpaste at the same time. So they brush for two weeks before whitening with a desensitizing toothpaste, such as Colgate soothing gel, soothing toothpaste, or Sensodyne soothing and then they would whiten their teeth, but also we supply a specific proprietary soother. So every patient gets a proprietary soother, which they use either before whitening, after whitening, or instead of whitening to help, um, to help reduce sensitivity. So patients don't stop whitening because their teeth are too sensitive. In the UK, we can use very, um, very we can use low strength gels, which provide excellent results. In Europe and other countries, they use really high strength hydrogen peroxide, um, thinking that the higher strength will go faster. It, it goes faster, but the more likelihood of sensitivity. And when we're talking sensitivity, we're talking about extreme sensitivity or pain on your teeth. And so we like to keep low, 10% um, carbamide peroxide, slow and low and effective whitening. By effective whitening, we mean that the teeth need to um, reach their bleaching potential. If they reach their bleaching potential, then um, you get effective whitening and it's long lasting. It stays white for a long time. 
You need to do top up whitening as well, but the dentist would advise you when it's time to top up. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. What is the what is this bleaching potential of of, uh, of whitening? Because for some people, they once they reach a limit, they can't go beyond that limit. So how can we how can we determine the patient's whitening potential? And we use the whites of the eyes as a as a as a basic base baseline to see the sclera to see where we are with that. Not everybody has white sclera, but it gives us a baseline to see. Um, but what normally happens is that patients don't whiten long enough. So their teeth don't reach the bleaching potential. So they're always topping up whitening, topping up, topping up, and spend all the time um, whitening because they whiten too quickly and not for long enough. So the shade regresses back to the existing shade. If you follow the specific protocol, which is the Van Hayward protocol, Professor Van Hayward, the publication that he published in 1989, if you follow that protocol and you, the way that it works is, first we bleach the upper teeth. Upper teeth are bleached first because their um, whitening goes quicker, it's less sensitive, and we have a color contrast. And then um, once we've got the, uh, the upper teeth white, so you would whiten the upper teeth for two weeks at night, that is the best white way to whiten your teeth. Then the patient comes back and we review the situation and we see where the, uh, what the color is now, what the shade is after whitening for two weeks just on the upper. Often we may need to whiten, whiten further or the canine teeth are not white enough. Then we would um, introduce the lower whitening tray and the patients would whiten normally every night for three weeks. Sometimes there may be a week where the patient whitens upper and lower teeth at the same time. But our aim is to blend all the teeth to be the same white shade, not different shades on different teeth. We blend it all, we try to blend it all in. The myth is that whitening takes two weeks and it's all over. Actually, whitening is just beginning in two weeks time. And so by reaching the bleaching potential, that means you've got to lighten the enamel plus the dentine plus on cases where there's um, discoloration on a non-vital tooth, a dead tooth, you've got to reach the root dentine to whiten sufficiently. So it takes a long time. It's not a magic wand that you can wave within a few hours. It's a process. Now, older patients take longer to whiten than younger patients. Darker teeth take longer to whiten than teeth that are not that discolored. So there are many different factors and it's up to the dentist to explain to the patient the expectations of, of what to expect, what can happen, and what will not happen. So the um, expectations are narrowed to very specific, but every patient is different, so we don't really know how it will be until we start. So we've got to explain that to a patient that we will have to see. It's, there's no guarantees with treatment. There's no guarantees as to the amount of lightness that can be achieved, but we need to monitor and follow through follow the patient on their journey of whitening until we reach a satisfactory color. So an an intermediate case would be where there is maybe restorative dentistry plus whitening, so they need fillings plus whitening. That would take about six to eight weeks to whiten. An advanced case would be a case where patient had tetracycline discoloration, chlorosis, or um, MIH. That can take 10 to 12 weeks to whiten, so that's nearly three months of whitening. Some patients who have severe discoloration with tetracycline can take 
three, six, nine or 12 months. So that's a long time to whiten teeth and it's a long bleaching protocol. And that is according to the research. Mm-hmm. And when, say, the patient comes to the end of their treatment and their teeth are still not the shade that they would like, so it, it has improved, but it's still not as white as it could be, then what do we do if, if whitening the alone is insufficient? But what is the end of treatment? Because the end of treatment is basically not really the end. Because normally if they follow through the protocol and they used, there's different, there's a big difference between the day gels and the night gels, the day products or the night products. It's called night products because it's supposed to be used all the way through the night. The night products can be used during the day and the day products. So there's a hydrogen peroxide only product or a carbamide peroxide. There's two different types. They're both different types of hydrogen peroxide. If it's hydrogen peroxide only, or it's also called a day product, all the oxygen is released within half an hour of that product. So you put the gel in, the day product in, you can only use it for half an hour and that's it. But if you're using a night product or a product, a carbamide peroxide product, the oxygen continues to be released for 10 hours. So all the time it's a product called Carbapol, it's still releasing, which is why it's beneficial at night or all the way through the night. It keeps releasing the oxygen and remains active for a long period of time. And so in general, if the patient follows through the protocol, they should whiten, should whiten sufficiently. Most of the time, it's a matter of time, actually. If they're doing the treatment, it's a matter of time. I had tetracycline staining. I had discoloration on my teeth, and it took five weeks till the teeth whitened, um, till we, I could see a result, and then I continued for about six to eight weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. so essentially keep going yeah you've got great teeth so essentially just keep going until the teeth become white and, and yes, it will continue with to monitoring whiten. through the dentist the dentist only should supply enough gel for that course of two weeks and then the patient comes back we review the color we measure the shade we take photographs and we see where we are eventually it gets to a limit where it's not going to whiten any further but our magic numbers we want to achieve a b1 shade a B1 is the, is the popular shade, the shade that we expect that most of our patients will go to, but there's no guarantees. There is a new shade, which is called Love Island White, and that is a super, <laughs> bright, super bright white shade. Um, and that's not always possible with whitening. Those, some of those contestants on Love Island went to Turkey to have veneers that were what we call toilet bowl white shade that is not what we call natural that's a different opaque white and that is a certain look that some people want to go for the widest ever but what most of our patients require is a natural enhanced whitening of the existing shade and the beauty about whitening and the products that are supervised by the dentist is they're very safe products their ph levels have been checked their safety has been checked the whitening factor has been checked so to make sure that they're absolutely safe to use. And um, that is opposed to some of the other products. Um, some of the products you can buy over the counter, we've published on this in the British Dental Journal. We did a study with my son, Joseph, um, who qualified at Manchester Dental School. And we looked at six products that came out of the uh, pharmacies and the um, 
we looked at those whitening potentials and what do those do and what is there any harm and what happens to that and we found that those didn't always whiten a lot of the products um, the over-the-counter products don't contain hydrogen peroxide because the legislation is very clear you cannot supply more than not nor that from 0.1 percent you can, cannot supply more than six percent hydrogen peroxide and the over-the-counter products cannot contain more than 0.1 percent so we looked at the different products and some of them are salts and acids so in the beginning it starts to whiten and then the acid can cause harm but there's not really so it, it looks like because they're salts they, they have like an etching effect but they don't really whiten to a full extent um, so it's better to see your dentist if you're thinking of whitening your teeth get advice from your dentist just staying on the safety side of things so going back to the tiktok trends and the hydrogen peroxide if these products are used incorrectly can they actually cause serious damage to the teeth and gums absolutely um, we are concerned about some people buying products online overusing the products um, some of the products that are not regulated by the dental companies and the dental profession have got a lot of acid. So if you constantly use these products, you can actually have acid damage on your teeth, on top of which you can have um, ulceration of the gums and um, further sensitivity. Chemical burns on the teeth can result. So it's very important to use a well-tested well-recognized brand of whitening gel and there are so many excellent ones on the market by professional dental companies that have spent years in research developing excellent safe therapeutic products that those are the best ones to use cheap is not always better um, we are enamel is very precious we want to have to, to keep our own healthy teeth for as long as possible so a simple way of whitening it in a minimal invasive way is the key is the key thing absolutely yeah and they can be irreversible damage with those products and actually people who think it's a sort of a cheaper low-cost option might actually end up spending a lot more time money and effort trying to get their own teeth back so it's important and to do it the, safe the damage way. there was there was a product um a while ago that was available on in, um on cruise liners when you go and have go to the when you uh, went on the cruise no one's cruising or no one's actually going anywhere at the moment but um the first thing when you when you uh, got onto the cruise the whitening therapist would send you a video in your cabin and say why don't you consider having your teeth whitened now the product that they were using at the time was with chlorine dioxide chlorine dioxide at 0.5 percent was an acid and actually took the shine off your teeth and there was enamel damage um, and we again we published on this and the dangers of using chlorine dioxide um, again many beauty therapists were using this product and they were ill-informed as to they shouldn't um, they thought they were allowed to use it but only a dentist can whiten your teeth and it's not um, it's not selective it's not because it's sour grapes the dentist needs to evaluate it very carefully if you are a candidate it's not so simple as to just go to anybody to whiten your teeth um, and so these products were quite harmful and caused the shine to go off your teeth, loss of luster, um, further damage, further enamel loss, then the teeth became gray and stained and super sensitive.
So we looked at ways with many of these patients who's had this power widening treatment um, at the beauty therapist, how we could repair the damage that existed. The same story is with charcoal toothpaste. Charcoal toothpaste is super fashionable. And they say that charcoal toothpaste is a whitener. So as a scientist, I investigated to evaluate, actually, is it a whitener? And what happens with the charcoal toothpaste is the charcoal, somehow it stains your plaque green. And so have you used it, Chadi? Have you used it I haven't it actually. I've been very good. I haven't used it at all, but I've seen a lot of it everywhere. Yes. So I tried it myself. I was horrified because it turns a plaque green and your mouth is black and you're like oh my gosh is that me and then you spend a long time brushing your teeth you spend extra long brushing and so um because you spend extra long there's a danger that you can actually abrade the surface of the teeth the charcoal particles are quite abrasive some of the contents of the charcoal toothpaste are actually carcinogenic for one example is called bentonite clay so the clay is actually a carcinogen that shouldn't be used. And a lot of them don't have fluoride because it's fashionable not to have fluoride. That it's, it's a complex issue, but also what really worries us that it's sold as a whitener where it doesn't actually whiten. Um, and so again, if you're thinking of using these toothpaste, go and see your dentist and get advice from a dental professional. If this toothpaste, just because it's fashionable, just because it's on Instagram, it's not, it may not be having any therapeutic health benefits. And really, as we mentioned, we always want our patients to attain health sustainability and a health gain, all the time being an upward, upward health gain and improving their oral health. That's the key factor. really hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe learned a few things about teeth whitening and I sincerely hope that we've put you off DIY teeth whitening if you were considering it because there can be very serious damage to the mouth and the teeth so definitely make sure you see a dental professional if you are considering teeth whitening. As always, I would love to know what you thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me at Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. Also, if you have any suggestions or questions relating to the podcast, please let me know. And I can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.